0: Hey there, you're listening to the Sports Coaching Podcast with me, Sam Omshaw. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. Whether this is your first time listening or if you have been a regular fan of the podcast for the last eight months, we thank you so much for taking the time to check out our platform and listen to us today. So in today's episode, I was joined by two of Leeds Beckett Sports Coaching second year students, Ethan Omshaw and Liv Phillips, who agreed to come on upon very short notice after the previous guests we lined up had to drop out, unfortunately. Ethan, as you know, was on the podcast a few episodes ago. Ethan is the current assistant manager of Oakley Town Women's First Team. Operations director and head coach of the Homeshore Academy, and the lead coach at Horsforth Junior Football Club. And Liv is a swimming coach who, prior to that, spent 12 years as a swimmer, heavily involved in early specialisation. And as you might have seen all over social media over the last couple of days, Liv has just joined my coaching team with the Ilkley Town Women's First Team as an additional mental skills coach. So in today's episode, we decided we were going to talk about mental models and target performance models. So in segment one, we talk all about mental models, what are they, what are their purpose? And both Ethan and Liv give examples from the respected sports of football and swimming. In segment two, we then discuss target performance models. Target performance model is essentially the same concept as a game model, which of course is the football specific terminology. So again, the guys provide an insight on what a target performance model is and what we can actually use it for. We then discuss how you as a coach might use a mental model and target performance model within your coaching practice, as well as the considerations and implications when creating your own target performance model. So I've got to say for two second year students to come on a podcast and talk about this concept, having just been introduced to said concept this year. I thought they both did an absolutely outstanding job. They gave a really in-depth talk about what they have evidently learned on the course. And I think this episode provides a great plug of how great the sports coaching course at Leeds Beckett really is. So once again, thanks for checking out the episode. If you like the podcast, please do leave us a review on any of our platforms or our website. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam
1: Homeshaw.
2: I'm Liv Phillips.
1: I'm Ethan Homeshaw.
2: And you're listening to the Sports Coaching Podcast
1: with Sam Homeshaw.
2: Okay, welcome back to the latest
0: episode of the Sports Coaching Podcast with me, Sam Homeshaw. As always, we hope all the listeners today are well and keeping busy in this. Uh, this strange and difficult time, I mean, there is some light at the end of the tunnel, certainly being shed for football. So just a, a few more weeks for us. But wherever we, you are in the world, we hope you are uh, keeping occupied, keeping busy and, and, and getting through this time, really. We have had to drag two guests into the podcast on real short term time frame, really. And they've, uh, they've both agreed to come on. So I'm delighted to uh, welcome once again to the podcast, only only on three weeks ago, but, uh, my brother Ethan Omshaw and the newest member of Oakley Town Women's First Team Coaching Staff, Liv Phillips. Guys, how are you both?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm
0: really good. Ethan, how are you? Uh, I'm great, thank you. Delighted to be back. <laughs> on, a, on a short-term basis. I mean, yeah, I mean, Ethan, we'll, we'll ask you for the uh, for the purposes as always. How are, how are you getting on? Managing to, uh, to keep busy over the last three weeks since we last spoke to you?
3: Yeah, I think over the last two weeks, it's mainly been assessments. I had quite a few deadlines, so I've just been inside a computer all day doing that, which you know, ain't ideal, but got to get your work done. So, yeah, keeping busy, keeping occupied as usual. Fantastic. And live yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Ethan. We obviously do the same uni course. so really um, heavy with assessments, but I'm um, excited to be getting. Stuck into uh, joining the coaching team and looking forward to the the next few weeks and hopefully being able to uh, do things face to face finally.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I think normally on this podcast we normally introduce both guests and, and ask both guests to introduce themselves rather. I should add, uh, but obviously with Ethan being on only three episodes ago and we will just jump into live and get into a background journey and and what's led you to where you are today Liv so if you want to start from the beginning your your journey as an athlete how you got into coaching and and right where or sorry right where you are today couldn't get my words out there
2: well uh so I am from a swimming background so I um I started swimming at my club back at home when I was eight so that was, oh god, this is gonna make me feel old. 14, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, it must have been not 14 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, so I swam competitively at that club for eight years. So it was kind of non-stop, really, for like for a good eight years. And uh, when I got into the performance squads, so like the top squad in the in the club at 13 for like a good three years up until I was 16, it was just it was non-stop. It was go, go, go. Like my, my life was surrounded by swimming and it was difficult for me to manage, you know, stuff like GCSEs and swimming at the same time. And I think that's where I then began to lose the love of the sport. Um, And I decided at the end of the season, when I was uh, 16 to leave in school, I was like, I just need a break. So I took a break. I took about, I want to say six, five six months out of swimming but in that time I became a qualified level one and level two swim teacher um so began teaching my own learn to swim classes and I also began coaching at the club that I had been uh, swimming at for the past eight years um and got my own squad out of that and then uh about and then <laughs> uh, after those five six months I went back into the pool Cause I missed it so much. There's something about us swimmers and missing the pool. Um, went back in, and yeah, ever since I have uh, been back in the pool, um, not anywhere near the intensity of what I used to do. You know, at one point I was doing 18 plus hours a week in the pool and in the gym, um, crazy hours. So uh, nothing quite to that extreme. But turned my love for swimming into a love for coaching, and got my level one coaching qualification just after my 17th birthday so I've been a qualified um swim coach assistant for the past three years now um unfortunately I've not been able to do my level two which I was hoping to do last year because of uh, the pandemic but I do hope to to go and do that and um I guess that's why I'm here really doing the coaching course same as Ethan I just love coaching I love everything about it so um I came to uni to do something that I enjoy doing. So, and I've continued to swim whilst here as well.
0: Fantastic. Um, thank you, thanks for sharing. And, and I always find it really interesting speaking to swimmers because I, I, I know we've, we've chatted before. Liv. I mean, I came from a swimming background, I think from six really, till about 13, 14, you know, five, six times a week, even who remember he was always dragged along and, and watching in the stands as a young lad, you can see where his reaction there. But, you know, when I reflect on that time personally, Although it made me a, a really strong and really good swimmer, I always look back and think, what a waste of time, really, because there was, <laughs> never, ever, I, I but there was never really anything there that that helped develop me. So, you know, when I went to school, I, I was awful at the other sports because all I ever did was swimming. I was never really taught any life skills, so I was quite a quiet kid because, for me, it was quite an isolated environment always being in that swimming pool. So, you know... I, I think the term we use at, at university is early specialisation, sort of thrown into the sport. Definitely, you know, definitely. You know, so, you know, how was it for you? How, how, how do you sort of reflect on that time? And, and um, also, you know, how was, how, was, how was it for you?
2: Well, I guess when uh, when I was younger, sort of, yeah, from, I'd, I want to say from around about seven, eight, before I really started getting into like the nitty gritty of swimming, I would do like tennis. I'd do like street dance. You know, I'd be doing after-school activities. You know, the lot. You know, as a kid, when you just like just throw yourself into everything and see what happens. As I started getting better at swimming, I then had to make the decision: well, do I carry on or do I do I go elsewhere and do something else? And you know, I look back at it now and I think I should have just stuck to tennis. You know, why didn't I stick to tennis? But um, you know, I. I understand what you mean it is especially when you put so much time and effort you are indulged in this sport and not it's how do I put this it is so there's the minority of people who make it is like is more minor than a lot of other sports it's so you know you've got to be the best of the best and if you're not then you're nothing and it's you do kind of sit back and you do kind of think what is the point of me being here like I'm okay I'm good at this point I'm good at counties I'm all right you know I'm not the best but I'm getting there I've made myself I've been able to qualify for regionals great and this but the scale of it Like if you think about the amount of people who will qualify for county regionals, nationals, and then qualify for British champs, and then qualify for this and qualify for that. And then out of that, the percentage that go into a GB squad is minute. Like, it's so minor. And you, yeah, you do. I don't regret any of it. And I, my God, it's the best thing that's ever, that's made me who I am. But sometimes you do kind of sit there and you think what is the point of me sat on I'm sat on poolside at 5 30 in the morning I'm half asleep and I'm like why am I here right now I could be in bed I'm not going anywhere I'm not doing anything with this sport and I think that's why I kind of gave up and I was like I'm I've lost a love for it but um but yeah it's it's just one of those sports mm. you've just got you've got to have a strong head and you've got yeah, to yeah. really kind of you've got to push yourself through the paces and you've got to tell yourself you're going to be able to do that. And it's so gutting when you're so close. Like I got to a regional, I went, I, my last season, I'd finally qualified um, for an individual event at regionals because uh, the past two years, I was only in teams, uh, team relays. And i had like, I just missed the cut for making the the qualifiers. So I'd finally made it and I was 0.02 off making the final and I tell you what I waited around for two hours to wait and see if someone would drop out and I'd get into the final and it's at times like that when you just think oh yeah.
0: yeah I mean I certainly certainly resonate with that you know certainly had them experiences myself and and, and dropped out earlier for me really I, I can remember getting to 13 and just burnout out, mm. just exhausted and thinking you know, all my friends are playing football or doing this or doing that, and I'm having to go straight to training. It just got to a point where it wasn't for me. But, but yeah, really interesting, uh, you know, to hear your journey there and, and the impact it had on you as a, as a young athlete. So thanks for sharing. And I suppose the last question, really, before we get into today's topic would be, um, what has the effect of, of being a, a young athlete, a swimmer, so exposed to that early specialization uh, specialisation, so many hours a week, have you taken that into your coaching? Is there anything that has impacted how you coach now? You know, any additional considerations from your own experiences there?
2: Um. Yeah, definitely. I think being able to relate to, and like I said, most coaches and most teachers can relate to a swimmer because they've done it themselves. But I think what I've found is that I, uh, the group of kids that I had, they were between eight and twelve so they're still coming to swimming because they enjoy the sport so I never wanted them to lose that love for the sport so I tried to be not only their leader but their friend at the same time like they'd walk onto poolside and be like they they feel like they could talk to me like how was your day at school today or they say Liv you never you never guess what I did today Liv guess this guess that and you know I think it's I have really taken on a Role as a leader to get to know the kids personally and all of my participants per- personally, and just let them know that yes, I'm your coach, and you need to kind of like listen to what I say. And look, I know this is tough, I've done it before, but this is going to help. Um, and then, you know, getting the trust off of them. And I feel like that is the biggest thing that has helped me develop as a coach because without that trust of the kids, they didn't really care and they would start to slack and they and they they're at that age where they'll tell me what they think sometimes I was a bit like okay right that's that's clear clearly they don't like that we won't do that anymore but yeah so I think really that role of being a trusted leader to them I think is what's been really important to me and also learning that they need to not specialize so early I think they need to understand that why we do not specialize them in a stroke until probably 15 16 if they're lucky even then at 15 16 like i was a, I was a breaststroker and i still swam im and long distance freestyles in my sessions so you know it was it's just getting them to understand why i think and i think that's the biggest thing from a swimmer going into
0: being a coach yeah yeah 100 100 and then you know surely now going into your role as as an additional mental skills coach working with uh, the women's first team at Oakley town those experiences that you've been through from a, a psychological or social point of view I mean surely that is going to filter into that role now would you say
2: most definitely yeah and you know I think I have really sort of gained a lot of um I want to say like determination and I've gained a lot of willing to do things and like sort of follow them through and I'm like right come on let's get things done sort of thing and I don't know I feel like I've just got I'm very strong I like to think I'm very like strong-minded and I'm like strong-willed and I'm like right okay and I think that has stemmed from swimming because if I was off at any point I'd know about it and you have to stay strong you you couldn't. You couldn't crumble, and you've you've got to be able to keep that going. So I hope that my new role with you guys will hopefully get the girls to understand that it's it's okay to crumble, but this is how you deal with it, and I'm here to help you with that, and not just in sport, in a life situation. Because my God, if I knew half the stuff that I know now then when I was you know between the ages of what 13 to 16 I would be you would have thought I had my life together <laughs> so, yeah
0: brilliant yeah brilliant fantastic thank you uh thank you very much for, for sharing your background really uh, really interesting insight I should say the sports coaching podcast with Sam Holmshaw
1: Hi, I'm Ethan Homeshaw, Director and Head Coach of the Homeshore Academy. The Homeshore Academy is a new football academy offering performance football coaching to football players aged 8 and upwards. All being well, we are projecting to open our first centre in Leeds after this national lockdown. The Homeshore Academy was founded with the purpose to create all-rounded football players by delivering sessions that encourage creativity and adaptability. What I feel makes us different to any other football academy out there is that myself and my brother Sam Holmeshaw are students of sports coaching. This means that we are research based practitioners in coaching. At the Homeshaw Academy we implement this into our coaching sessions to create an environment that aims to optimise player development, ignoring the traditional coaching approaches you may have observed in the past. We feel this sets us apart from other football academies out there. With over 30 years coaching experience collectively in grassroots amateur and academy football, we look to use our experience from both our practical and academic background to challenge traditional coaching methods in the UK and help develop football players to achieve their true potential. For more information, follow us on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our Twitter is at Homeshore Academy, our Facebook is the Homeshore Academy, and our Instagram is at the underscore homeshow underscore Academy. You can also find out more information at our website, thehomeshawacademy.wordpress.com.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Let's uh, let's move on to today's topic, then we'll delve into today's topic, I should say. We're, we're going to talk about uh, a few topics today within the uh, the area of, of mental models, uh, target performance models. It's a term that in football, we, we often call a game model. It's The area of research that I've done quite a lot around for the undergraduate, the master's degree, even looking at that now within my uh, master's dissertation. But uh, you two being on the second year of of sports coaching, University at Leeds Beckett, it's uh, certainly an area that you've spent a lot of time researching in this year and created your own mental models and target performance models within swimming and football, respectively. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And towards the end, we will uh, discuss how you can implement your mental model and target performance model into your coaching practice. So, Ethan, let's uh, let's turn to you and pose you the question on our second segment then. What is a mental model? In layperson terms for the coach that has, has never come across that term, isn't really sure what that means. Well, what is a mental model to you?
3: I think it's important to say before you me and live start rambling on about mental models and target performance models were quite new to this concept. I mean, I've been exposed to it probably a couple of months prior to the course, it's very much a new concept for me and Liv. I think going through the first probably four or five months of the course, I never really had a grip on it. I didn't really know what it was about. I'd obviously been exposed to Sam's mental models and Sam's target performance models, but I didn't really have sort of a knowledge surrounding it. So I was a bit confused through the course, obviously being online and that it's quite hard to pick things up, but I think over the past few months I've developed quite a good under- understanding of it. So basically the mental model is built off the internal logic of a sport type. So a sport type is basically the characteristics of a sport. So for example, for me, it'd be an invasion sport. You've got sports like aesthetic sports like gymnastics and all these have different characteristics. So what I've been taught is the internal logic of the sport will include the uh, pre-losery goal, which is you know the basic goal of the sport. So I'll relate it back to my sport, football, to score, and then the constitutive rules, which are the rules that you know sort of stop this goal from happening. So you know, like having defenders in the game who stop you from trying to score, and also a loser means which, to be honest, we have not touched too much on within. Uh, You know, within the course, you know, I've learned about it a bit, but I've not really uh, touched on that. And that's sort of the way you go about, you know, achieving the goal within these constitutive rules. So when this uh, this pre-illusory goal, which is the obviously goal of the sport, sort of conflicts with the constitutive rules, this creates uh, things called performance problems. So performance problem is, trying to think of an example relevant to score. So performance problem would be something you're solving within the sport. So, for example, I'll go for, for football. I'm sure Liv will go for swimming for you. It would be how to score, so how to get past the defender. So it's something you're solving within the game. So our mental model is sort of informed by these performance problems. So the mental model really is just the game in its simplest form. So for football, would be the attacking phase, the defensive phase, uh, the... Uh, defensive transition, so going from attack, losing the ball, to going to defence, and then the attacking transition. So that's how I see the sport of football. And then obviously within each of these areas, there'll be performance problems that are uh, presented. And then with the mental model, you obviously design that based on solving these performance problems. So that's sort of a simplified version. That's sort of what I've learned on the course. That's sort of my understanding I've gained so far. And obviously everything won't be 100% accurate i think most of it will probably be right but obviously i'm still learning about it i'm still new to the concept so yeah i'm sort of taking these you know months that have gone by and the next few months to sort of learn as much of it much about it as possible really but yeah that's sort of how i see a mental model and see what a mental model's about based on you know the course
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. I think you know for a second year understanding. I think that's a really good run through. Actually, I mean, live anything to to add on now and, and you know, if we're thinking about the term mental model and what it means.
2: Um. No, I think Ethan's covered that really well. I think for me personally, um, when it comes to learning new things, I find it so much easier to be able to relate it to my sport, and. We don't delve too deep into, you know, swimming when it comes to it. It's more like rugby and football and gymnastics and athletics. So I think I've had to really do my research into what a mental model looks like in swimming. And I've actually learned that it's quite not it's, it follows the same structure and the same sort of concepts for a mental model. But it's different in the respect that you can't just have one really broad mental model for swimming you've got to have you've got to think about what stroke you're looking at you've got to think about the distance you're looking at and what then aspects come into that so if you i've I, i've had a little play around with making my own for swimming for a more broader generalized what will you find in every single stroke and what will you find in every single uh, event um but When you, when like you said, we'll talk about target performance models later. But actually, in swimming, you don't look at. It's not like you're not looking at technical, physical, tactical, biopsychosocial. You're looking at things like starts, turns, finishes, travel, which I guess you can link into that. But when actually you think about, well, hold on, if I'm doing this event, that's not that's what's in it. But actually, what am I doing in this event specifically? That's different. And so. That's more of a target performance model, as we'll go on to later. But, yeah, but yeah, Ethan's covered it very well there.
1: Yeah.
0: And 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 that's really interesting because you're so right. When we often think about these terms, it normally is based within an invasion sport. So netball, basketball, rugby, football, handball. And actually, when you think about a sport of swimming, it is, you know, a, f- a lot more difficult to actually think about. And, you know, you, you mentioned strokes, uh, the type of event. I mean, you're so right. And, you know, it's interesting, really, because so I can remember in second year actually trying to create one for swimming and, and didn't get very far, which is why I switched back to football. You know, there's, there's, there's such an interesting concept, really. But I think there's always potentially a, a bit of confusion of what it's actually used for. So, you know, I think about a uh, good friend of the Masters, my, uh, my my friend of the Masters, a chap called Will Smith, he's, he's a boxer. Uh, boxing coach and, and his mental model is all about the concept of risk and reward so you know as the boxers taking risks to go and you know try and knock out the opponent but you know that that's a heavy reward that if they do manage to do that so you know i suppose again linking back to your sports and we'll, we'll go for Ethan first and, and then Liv second but you know what is the purpose of this mental model why do we you know need to create one have a conception of one what, what, what's what's it there for I think
3: you know it's probably an area of topic that people have probably got quite a few opinions on i think and i think we had a conversation about it when i was first talking to you about it sam and he was talking to me about how people you know sort of just create the mental model first and then create the target performance model and really i think that's really a view of looking at just how you want to play and as i see in menomod it's you know informing how you solve these performance problems it's really like you know in in Sort of the simplest way I can put it, how you want to achieve your goal within the rules and by solving the problems that are put in, put in your place. So as I said in football, you know, obviously a team can set with defenders. How you get past these defenders is sort of how you achieve your goal by solving all these problems that occur within the game. And I think there's probably a common misconception that people just think, you know, it's sort of painting a picture of how you want to play how you want to you know win a game but it's not really you know it's sort of focused on how you want to achieve the pre-loser goal which is to score in the net and score more goals than the the, uh, opposition
2: yeah I think um I think it's one of those things that is still and I might be wrong but still very new and being introduced to coaches being introduced to different sports I know. uh you've said that the game model is used quite highly in some of some really big coaches um across the premier league but i think um when it comes to more sort of recreational and amateur sport i think and again in um other sports other than invasion i think it's very new and it's understanding w- how is this going to be useful and where can we use this and then how can we get on board the participants to then realize that this actually works once you understand it and i think that's the key thing is getting them to understand it for it to actually work um but yeah i think yeah that's what i think
0: <laughs> yeah fantastic i mean you know for me and it was obviously i three years more than you guys sort of researching this stuff and the concepts and what it's for and uh, the the ideology behind it really from my conception and my understanding is that we as coaches are being or, or understanding should i say the tactical problems that our players or our athletes are going to be faced with within their sport and you're so right, of it i think it's probably more regularly used in football now and probably a lot of invasion sports in, you know, aesthetic sports, uh, you know, sports as swimming, I'm trying to think, sport, I think it comes under the category. Uh, very, probably not used as much. And it's probably because, you know, you mentioned there that actually when you're thinking about a, a mental model for swimming, you know, maybe you're not thinking as much about the tactical aspect. You know, you think about football, everything is tactical. In the invasion game element, everything is tactical. So, you know, as coaches, we need to be aware of, the tactical performance problems that, you know, players are going to be faced with. So, you know, the example I always use in in football is, uh, you know, when we're attacking, well, you know, if you have a a young five-year-old player that's never played football before, never seen football before, they're going to say, well, you know, what do I do when I attack? Well, you know, you've got to score. Well, how do I score? That's a tactical performance problem for that player. But I think to throw the question back at you, Liv, when we're talking about the performance problems how does that sort of differ with swimming you know I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast have read my work on this and and obviously it's very football dominated so you know how does the performance problems differ in swimming is it not as tactical focused? is it more down a physical focus you know I'd be really intrigued to ask you that
2: yeah it is more on a I'm going to go with a mix of physical and technical. I think swimming is so heavy technique based and a lot of the performance problems that come with that will be technique based. Um, And I guess a big part of it is it will all depend also on their age and stage of development. So those context performance problems then are even more broad with that respect so I think when you're looking at performance problems in swimming and I think this is why it's hard to relate it to a mental model because it's so broad um you're looking you know the simple things lane discipline I mean realistically if you're swimming to someone else's lane I mean I personally have seen it before but that was only once um you know it's simple things like that you know false start yes that happens um but again, that isn't something that is a massive performance problem. It's more based on your technique. So if you're swimming fifteen meters and further than fifteen meters under the water on front crawl, backstroke, or butterfly, you're going to get disqualified. And when you're in the water, you can't see where that fifteen meters is. There's not a line on the floor that says, "Look, it's fifteen meters." That's on the ropes that are above you. So it's really point really important from that respect to have. Um, a lot of sort of, I want to say like, I want to use, I want to say water awareness, but like you've just got to know where you are in the pool and that comes with years of practice and, you know, simple, I say simple things. I'm saying that because I've done it for so long, but touching the wall with two hands on breaststroke and butterfly, um, you, you know, not doing, keeping your feet together when you're doing butterfly kick and not doing an alternate kick, you know, all stuff like that. So I think, Where a mental model is not quite integrated very well in swimming is because you cannot necessarily relate it to the performance problems as easy as you can with an invasion sport because it's so, again, it's so technique based heavy and a lot in a lot of mental models, they also look at biopsychosocial and the reason why because I I read an article on this the reason why you cannot necessarily target biopsychosocial and especially psychological sides of things is because on a race day a swimmer will race how their mentality is on that day and you can't teach that to them that will just be how they react on that day like I know swimmers have pre-race prep that they do and they're like "Right, right I'm ready but if there's one tiny little thing that's not right or that's hindering how they're thinking or bothering them, that's like a complete game changer. It's so minute to how you're feeling on that day. You can't prepare anyone for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it is really interesting when you start to dive into this with me because you think about football you know, when you're doing a mental model of football, because the sport is of a tactical nature you can really simplify what that sport looks like. So, you know, you get to performance problems of how do I counter-attack, how do I defend the goal? Because you will see these all the way, you know, from from under fives up to professional first team level. But when you think about swimming, and you're right, a very technical-based nature, you know, I mean, in my opinion, you can get away in football with not uh, performing techniques out of the book, should we say, but in swimming, you know, having been there myself, you do have to perform and very aligned, and I always say, You know sport specific for for that sort of thing but you know i I can remember sort of you know thinking about performance problems in swimming back in second year and and coming up with things like you know over rotation live when you think about for freestyle or from crawl should we say and and i think that's what's so interesting about swimming is you, you mentioned the context specific performance problems then you mentioned your your global performance problems i think as as you guys have been taught now um so You Know, I suppose both of you, a a word on on what that means and how that that differs between the sports. So, you know, just whoever wants to feel free to jump in.
2: I'll let Ethan talk because I've spoken quite a bit.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I've gone over global performance problems and context specific performance problems talking to Sam in the past. And I don't know if that's something you did on your course, is it Sam, or if that's changed? Has that changed? Yeah. So, as I've been taught, global performance problems, performance problems that will occur sort of at every stage of the game, at every level, at every sort of age. And then context-specific performance problems, says it in the name really, is ones that only occur at certain contexts. So I think my lecturer put it in a really sort of simple terms for me to understand. In, in football, you sort of have the rule changes uh, as you go through the ages. So I think you start off seven aside, no offsides. Then you'll go to nine aside, which I think it's offsides are introduced at that point, and sort of the problems, the performance problems arise. You know, as you're going through the rule changes. So I think an example that was given to me is as you go to nine aside, you've got what two extra players that you need to figure out how to use. The pitch size increases. You've got to figure out, you know, how to exploit the space, but also from a defensive point of view, you've got to figure out how to not let the opposition exploit the space. So they're sort of context specific performance problems they're the ones that arise at you know different levels different ages and you know sometimes it is influenced by the rules but it, it sorry just to add it is also uh, influenced by tactics which is something i only recently uh come to realize when writing one of my assessments
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i find that really fascinating because we we never really got onto the context-specific. For us, it was always about the global performance problems. I I would name them as macro, uh, the ones that we know that occur in in the game of football in that instance. And then I would say, uh, micro performance problems are are the ones at the very micro level of you know one-on-one situations in football that are sort of unique to that game. But the element of context specific is is really really fascinating actually for me to listen and and Liv I would guess that with swimming with with the nature of that sport you know you mentioned about uh, how the stroke the event can just completely change the uh, performance problems that occur and I would think I would guess that swimming would involve more context specific performance problems would that be would, would I be right in saying that?
2: Yeah I think globally swimming swimming like there are a set of rules and that is how you swim that stroke from eight years old to 18 years old there is no there's no going about that it doesn't differ depending on your age when it comes to a race you must follow those rules and that is from day one um I think where it comes into context specific problems you know you've got to think of stuff like uh you know you've got to think of stuff like puberty stage for some some kids and how more those problems come more with along with training rather than uh with rather than like a race situation um and a competition situation um so how you're adapting your training sessions to meet the needs of those participants because they're going through growth spurts their coordinations all over the place they've got longer legs than they do their arms and their body and their hormones are everywhere you've got to cater for that in training you can't necessarily you can't cater for that in a race because that's what that's what it is um so and obviously you've got your little ones that you don't let swim over like 100 meters because they're only small and you don't want to burn them out so um so yeah so I think for swimming it's definitely more context based and again it's context based in training rather than in a race
0: yeah but, but I think that's really interesting as well because when we think about football you know when we're thinking about performance problems that's the first time i've ever actually thought about the performance problems that are happening for that individual and and that you know you guys will get into this next year but that's sort of around the concept of ecological psychology of uh, what constraints the environment presents and and how different individuals present different constraints to opponents and teammates in games but when you're thinking about swimming the nature of that sport being an individual sport even when you know i I know you're in a relay team you might be with you know two or three other uh, swimmers but it is an individual sport in that respect and you know therefore you are thinking a lot more like you say about how high uh, anthropometric uh, differences uh, can actually affect that so 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 really really fascinating really really fascinating guys I must say I'm I'm, I'm very intrigued the sports coaching podcast with Sam holmshaw. So just before we move on to the next segment, just a little chance for me to promote some of the uh, other projects I'm currently involved in. As some of you might have seen, I've just recently set up my own coaching shop and within this shop I will be creating coaching resources that include, specifically for the time being, uh, certain how-to guides and session plans. As you may have noticed, currently listed on my shop is a how to create a game model as part of one of the how to guides I have recently created. And there's currently three PDF packages. Package one is a step-by-step guide into creating a mental model into your sport. Package two is a step-by-step guide into creating a game model into your sport. And finally, package three is a step-by-step guide to contextualize your game model to your coaching context. So all three packages are available to purchase on the shop right now. You can buy my package for a small fee of 32 Great British Pounds, whatever that might uh, translate to whatever you know country you're from listening to the podcast today. If you are interested, please do go and check out my shop, which is uh, samomeshaw.com forward slash shop forward slash. Thank you very much and back to the episode. So I think a, a good time to move us on to uh, the, the next segment, uh, moving on to uh, the concept of a, of a target performance model. So, Ethan, I'll, I'll come to you first. Uh, but Sorry, no, I won't live. I'll come to you first because I went to Ethan last time. Uh, what is a target performance model? What does that mean? What's it for? What's the purpose for it in late <laughs>
2: So what it is, is it's based on the mental model and the target performance model expresses a way in which a coach chooses to solve the performance problems. So really, its purpose is uh, to reflect sort of the desired. I'm going to use the phrase style of play. Or I don't really know how I'd say it in a swimming way. (laughs) Style of play, I'm going to say. And, you know, the. Expectations of kind of like the players and the athletes at that given point. So it's really getting into like the nitty-gritty of um sort of like minute things. So in a swimming perspective, it's not as probably minute as what maybe a football one would be because it's so broad, but it would be okay, we're gonna look at the 50 meters brushstroke. So then you look at the start for that, you look at the travel for that, then you look at the turns, and you look at the finish. And that's kind of how That's, like I said earlier, how I kind of came up with my generalised uh, mental model, because that comes in in every stroke and every uh, distance. So, yeah, really getting into like the nitty gritties of um, those sort of specific tactics, technique. uh, Like for me, it would be distance and uh, stroke. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good explanation. I mean, Ethan, anything to, uh, to add on that?
3: Uh, I think Liv's covered it really well. I mean, all I'd say for football is, you know, originally I only thought the mental model, which probably most people do, was just, you know, the main stages of the game. I didn't realise that the mental model really shows you the performance problems that you've got to then go and solve through this mental model. And the target performance really is just, you know, going into more detail on this mental model about how you solve these uh, performance problems. You know the specific ways in which you can go about solving them so, so yeah that was something really interesting that I learned you know sort of the mental model shows you how to solve the performance problems but the target performance model sort of goes in more specifically in how to solve them I think definitely football you know that's where the tactics come in it's more of a tactical thing the target performance model and don't get me wrong these elements of technical uh, and biopsychosocial but I'd definitely say in football it's more tactical which you know probably an interesting comparison with swimming again whether the target performance model would be, probably be more technical rather than tactical
1: yeah
0: yeah I mean I mean I mean really interesting question you pose then and we'll get on to the purpose of a target performance model in a minute but I mean Liv, you mentioned there the the way you want to play and you saw out in football you know we we term it a game model or a playing model but it's all about how will your players go and represent this playing philosophy so is that long ball is that possession based is it ticker tacker you know how will they go and do that in every phase of the game as i would say and that's very football specific language i'm using there but when we're thinking about swimming it and and this is a really interesting question for me to find out but what what does that look like in swimming so 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 you know is is it different ways we're performing the stroke is it you know, but but surely even when we're we're thinking about that, it's got to be really minute details. Yeah, it. I mean, really. well, as he,
2: Yeah. Well, as even said earlier, he spoke about the luxury means of a sport. So, how can you reach your goal whilst keeping within the rules of the sport? So, for swimming, that will be making like minor adjustments to like your hand position and um, your head position your arm position like your the position of your body and what works for you and what makes you swim faster in the in the race and how are you going to achieve your optimum performance so um i guess when it comes to a target performance model that's what you'd look at and again because it's an individual sport that is very athlete specific you know there is a there's a generalized this is how you swim the stroke that each individual athlete will have that small, minute, little thing, whether it's one, two, three, four little things, they're going to change how they swim the stroke within the rules and make it faster and more, ultimately, more comfortable for them to swim. Um, yeah, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's fascinating, really, because I, I like how you mentioned there is what the rules are dictating you know what are the means that that we are allowed to achieve that that main goal of the sport again you think about football or invasion games those losery means present so many different ways to do that um you know swimming you spoke about it's the minor adjustments i think about uh gymnastics and, and i you know i don't know if it's the floor execution but that, that's all about tariff and execution of points. And, and, and I, don't, I know they are a lot stricter there in terms of, um, you know, what the technique should look like. You think about diving, for example, the element of that sport. You've been scored on your execution of, of how well you're doing that. And then, you know, you sort of think about a target performance model of that i mean it's just fascinating isn't it and i I guess there's an element as well of you know we think about football we we base target performance off you know like manchester city for example who are absolutely smashing the premier league so i guess when we think about swimming or individual sports if we classify it there you know are we looking at you know olympic athletes are we looking swimming are we looking at michael phelps for example or you know how how would it work there really
2: i mean um a lot of coaches I have been involved with and have worked with, and even my, myself at times, have used uh, athletes like Michael Phelps, like Adam Peaty, James Guy, Ben Proud. You know, all of those really top sort of level athletes, um, and shown what how they swim in a race situation. And I think this is where it comes to looking at. I think what's difficult in swimming is you cannot see what you're doing unless you are filming yourself doing it and obviously there's a lot of safeguarding reasons that then come along with that so it's really important for us as coaches to understand what the elite level athletes are doing and seeing what they're doing and what their coach is doing in order to them get our participants to understand this is why they're the best of the best this is why Michael Phelps has 28 medals I think I think it's 28 in his like yeah cabinet in his living room that's why and you've got to you've got to be able to show that and prove that because it doesn't happen by magic gosh if it did life would be easy wouldn't it um so yeah I think it's really important for us to look at you know you look at the man united the man cities and all that but you know for us it's looking at but it is looking at those individual athletes who are really smashing it
0: yeah yeah i mean i mean fascinating point. and and you mentioned the the you know the idea of, of being aware of contextualization which we'll we'll get to you know, in a minute but uh you know bit conscious we might have just skipped a bit of an element here of 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 what these target performance problem uh, target performance models are so you know, like we said with the mental model, what is the purpose of a target performance model? You know, why should coaches think about building what they want the team to go and perform like or what they want the swimmer or individual athlete to go and perform like? Why is it important that we're considering this? And again, you know, one of you feel free to answer.
2: I think from a swimming point of view, it's, you know, it's not. Who gets the most goals it's your individual performance yes there's a podium that comes with it in certain aspects but it's all based on you and your personal best time and you bettering yourself and I think that's where a target performance model really comes into play because and especially once you get older and you're specializing into distances and strokes because that is how you're going to kind of I want to say reflect on what you're doing and how you can better yourself, and really get the athlete to understand that model and what they're doing and how they're doing it, and this is why it's going to help you get better. So a lot of I feel like a lot of autonomy comes along with um, specializing uh, into a distance and a stroke, especially as they're starting to get older and they're starting to progress into higher level competitions. You know even even at like sort of regionals, nationals, they're really getting the swimmer to understand and be involved in their development. Um because you know it's one of those sports that by the time you're 25 you're retiring. So you know at 13, 14, you should really like understand yourself why why is this model helping me and how is this model helping me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ethan, um, if, if anything to add on that from a, from a football perspective?
3: Yeah, I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to the coach, you know, how he wants to play, what's, what he's influenced by, sort of the the norms of the sport, the norms of the club, what influences his coaching and his style of play. But I think it also comes down to the context, you know, your, your target performance model, sort of at a young age, it might be to win, which in most cases it is, but it might also be, you know, what performance promotes development the best. And I think it also a context it usually is, you know, about promoting this sort of performance that we'll take up and then we can implement in an older age. And you know, sort of if you as you get up to these older ages where you know the focus isn't really on development. I think, you know, in most sports it's really about winning. So this of performance. Uh, is you know sort of showing this desired way of play, but it's about solving these performance problems, getting you at goals and getting you the win. Really, that's how I see. It. I mean, it obviously differs from coach to coach. You know, me and you, Sam, are you know focused on performance more than we are winning. But I think that probably is the end goal of a target performance model. You know, how we can win and how we how we can play to win, how we can play to solve these problems in order to win.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, some some really good points. Uh, from both of you and, and made around this and you know I think for me um, you know linking with uh, one, one of the lecturers at Leeds Beckett Sergio Lowe he's done some work around uh, Olympic serial winning coaches and what all them coaches had you know sort of right away through every single one of their practices was they had a vision of what they wanted the athlete to look like when it got to that Olympic Games whether that was a team sport or an individual sport and for me that Target performance model is that vision. It's what is it looking like, and what's the end goal that we want to get to, and then that's where you can start, you know, distributing. Should we say, if we're thinking about football, what that is going to look like in different phases of the game? When we're thinking about swimming, you know, what is that target performance eventually going to look like? So for me, it's it's very important that the coach has it from that perspective because you know, me being a football coach coming through. I never had anything like that. I had an idea of uh, possession-based football. But then all I'd ever do in practice would be passing and receiving and or maintaining possession as the, as the tactical element. And then when we got onto that game on the Sunday, that's all the players ever did. They never looked to score. And 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 that's a big uh, problem, I think, and, and importance, why we we need this model in place, really. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think really, really good uh, introduction, should we say, onto both of the elements there. But, I mean, you know, just before we move on to our final question there, uh, you know, what, what does the coach kind of, sorry, final segment, what does the coach kind of do with this model? How might he use it, uh, you know, within their practice or, you know, to, to guide what they're actually doing? I mean, how, how does it work there? And, again, just anyone feel free to answer.
3: Yeah, so I'll go first. So I think currently now, of course, we're doing a report on a medium-term plan. So sort of within this report you know i've sort of identified the internal logic identified the performance problems built a mental model from these uh, performance problems then built a target performance model and then from this target performance model you sort of look at the phases you look at the sub phase and sort of the tactical principles and it's about developing learning outcomes and sort of developing uh, a micro plan from these learning outcomes so you know session plans that are all based on promoting the performance in this tactical principle, you know, sort of implementing, you know, these sessions where it will allow the participants to achieve these learning outcomes and then sort of like all work towards achieving, you know, this desired performance, this desired way of play. I think very much so when I was sort of a young coach and first starting out, it'd be, Oh, what do I want to work on this week? I want to work on the keeper saving shots. I want to work on this. I want to work on that. And now, you know, after doing this course, sort of look at the, target performance, you know, model of my Bible really. Sort of what I'm looking at, what I'm basing all my coaching off, what I'm basing all my sessions off, what I'm basing all my planning off. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Liv.
2: Yeah, I think, um, again, it's just so different in swimming. It's, I think when you look at a vision for a swimmer, is you've got what the target performance model is going to help you with is those like minute things that are going to put that uh put that swim into this vision that you have and you know as I keep saying it's you it's from the start through the travel in the water the turn the finish you know these four things that uh come up with everything that you'll ever do in swimming is having been able to execute them at sort of like this vision that you have as a coach for that swimmer and again it's individual and I think you can't create you can create a target performance model off a specific uh, event let's say but realistically it's down to that swimmer which will be how you envision your end goal for that model so that's just a lot of target performance models for um the one coach that each trimmer. so um yeah but i think ethan's pretty much hit the nail on the head there
0: yeah yeah no i'll absolutely spot on for the bell for you the sports coaching podcast with sam Holmshaw. Okay, so just before we move on to the final segment, just want to take this opportunity to talk about the sponsorship packages that we offer on the Sports Coaching Podcast. So if you've listened to the podcast today and you're a business owner or you work for a coaching company or you're working for a club and and you would like to have a sponsorship segment on the podcast, then I can tell you that we are currently offering sponsorship packages for the podcast. So what do you get in this package? Well, other than the 90 second sponsorship segment, you will get your business logo or your the company's business logo you work for and the website URL added onto our website. Your business logo will be mentioned in each tweet that we put out. We usually put out four tweets a day for one week when we advertise the episode. You will also be mentioned in a post on our Instagram and Facebook page. You'll be mentioned in all of our Instagram and Facebook stories that we put out. So how much do we charge? Well, for one episode, we charge a small fee of of £50 for all of this. If you want to sponsor five episodes for your own sponsorship segment, then we charge a fee of £200. Finally, if you want to sponsor a full season of the podcast, we charge a fee of £500. So that would be 12 90-second sponsorship segments, as well as all of the included that I mentioned before. So if you are interested, please do get in touch. The best way to contact me would be via email, thesportscoachingpodcast at gmail.com. And I think this leads very nicely then to our final segment. Uh, and, And we always finish on this podcast. Implications for coaching practice so you know for the coach who's listening to this today and beginning to build their own mental model uh target performance model slash game model for, for football specific what are the main implications that coaches need to be aware of when we are uh, beginning to, to build that target performance model so you know Liv, you, you briefly touched on the the point of contextualization so you know when we've got the the swimmer coach work, working with uh, you know a fourteen year old swimmer, and they're basing their target performance model off off an elite twenty six year old athlete that's in the prime of their career. Or you know we've got uh, it, it, at the football coach looking at Manchester City's first team, but they're within under fourteen setup, and they are you know bringing that through in terms of how they're expecting their team to play what do we need to be careful of if i might rephrase the question there what are the things we've got to consider when we're thinking about making it appropriate to the context
3: i think in football you know context really is is key it's the, it's the main thing you need to you know think about especially if you're basing your target performance model off of manchester city okay. It's going to place tactical demands on the players, it's going to place technical demands and it's going to place biopsychosocial demands. And if these players aren't, you know, developed enough to cope with these demands, then there's no way they're going to be able to, you know, perform this target performance model. You've got to design it off the context based off the performance problems, based off, you know, the demands and the development that the the participants have. And you know, if you do that, you're going to have a target performance model. That the players can achieve and you're gonna, you know, see real results. But if you don't do if you don't, you know, stick to that context, then the players aren't gonna be able to cope with the demands, really.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with Ethan, and even more so in you know, a sport like swimming, there is only so much an athlete can do. And, you know, I have this kind of like little thing, you know, I always say if it's not gonna challenge you, it's not gonna change you, which is so true, but there is a limit. And it's knowing where that limit is in that swimmer, and knowing where that limit is in that swimmer on the day as well, and how much that swimmer can take. Especially if you are in, um, are working with swimmers who you know are going through puberty, that's then even more, more important to think about the context that they're in. You know, if you're basing your target performance model off Adam Peaty's uh, 100 meter breaststroke you know that in that last 25 meters he is going to absolutely like oh my it's it's quicker than anything I've ever seen in breaststroke his last 25 meters is absolutely insane if you want that for your summer that's great and that's what you've got to work towards but in a context specific way and don't don't push don't push them to the edge basically because that's then where you lose that's where you lose trust and where you lose their want for the sport and in a sport like swimming they need to want to they need to want to do it otherwise they won't and that's where it all goes downhill
0: yeah absolutely and I think they are such key points really key points really I think We have to be careful when we are creating these target performance models and we have to remember that we are creating them from target performance and as simplistic as that might sound, as obvious that might sound, it isn't actually obvious to a lot of coaches and and really when we're thinking about, you know, the sort of aspects of health and safety, if we're expecting a, you know, eight year old footballer or a 12 year old swimmer to perform the same time, the same level, the same technique as our target performance athlete or team then you know that can actually be quite dangerous to, uh, to to them youngsters really so you know that's definitely something we've got to bear in mind we have to uh, i always say you know what does target performance look like in that context you know when we were taught this when i was in second year and third year the idea was all about an alpha model and a beta model so your alpha model is target performance that's what man city looks like or that's what mr phelps looks like but actually what does that look like within your under 14 context you know and that's sort all of based as you said earlier live uh, age and stage continuum psychological development social development uh, physical and movement development you know what are they capable to do at that particular time in their age and stage of development what does their ability allow for and what is an appropriate model of performance for that particular agent stage so I think a, a really really key point you've both both brought on then and, and shed some light on there I mean is there any any additional implications that we've got to uh, bear in mind that you know you two might have learned on the course this year
3: I was just going to add to our point earlier I think I've sort of gone through and named a process that sort of me and Liv have gone through on the course I think probably one of the most important thing linking back to the point we've just made is You know, before you start making your performance model, before you start highlighting the performance problems, is, you know, understanding your participants. Think on the course, we call it, you know, conducting a needs analysis. So, sort of understanding, you know, what the participants will have already developed in terms of physically uh, and psychosocially, and then understanding what they then need to develop through the years that you've got them. And it's about, you know, doing that and then aligning sort of what you do from then to that needs analysis. So, you know, doing stuff that you know they can handle, because they've already developed, but doing stuff that is also going to sort of what's the words I'm searching for here further develop and sort of the areas that you've highlighted within the needs analysis. So yeah, it's very important to understand, you know, the participants and the needs that your participants need you to develop within them, but also understand what they've already developed and sort of what your starting point is for them.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess, guys, a question for both of you, you know, for the for the coaches, listen, uh, how can they begin to find this stuff? That, so, you know, if we're thinking about coaches within youth development settings, how can they find out what expectations might look like within that sport? And how does that work with the leads analysis, uh, needs analysis? Sorry.
2: I think it comes down to getting to know your participants on a more personal level. And I look at it as what they want to achieve especially I think that's really important which I think is which I think unfortunately uh, there are coaches out there who maybe look more at and this this is going to turn into a very controversial subject but who look more at how do they look rather than how do their participants look I think that's what's really important when conducting analysis for your participants is what do they want to get out of this? Like not what you know it's important, it's very important that you know a coach uh delivers. You see it in football all the time. If they don't deliver, they're out. And it's so important for their reputation, but at the same time, a lot of their reputation is based on their participants. So if their participants aren't happy then that's where then their reputation then Decline. so I think that's what's really important about it and you know Ethan really hit the nail on the head again with that um, and I, I couldn't agree more.
3: I think as well a really sort of key element when you're getting started is research lots of research you know there's so many models out there that'll tell you sort of what they've already developed and what they'll need developing so just go out and do your research I mean I know there's one that we use heavily throughout the course or mainly about so far which is the youth composite model or the youth participant development model and that sort of gives you a basis of what what is already developed in your participants and what you need to develop other than that probably save up your money and spend 27 grand on a uni course
0: <laughs> yeah really really uh, <laughs> really good uh, really good pitch for uh just to, to study in a, a sports coaching degree at leeds beckett no, uh, no, fantastic guys! Really, yeah, uh, really, really good run through there. I think today on today's episode, I think we've uh, covered that really, really well. It's been fascinating for me to hear, you know, how you guys have learnt this and and how it differs between football and swimming. And actually, some of the additional things they've now brought onto the course. Now, I mean, for me, the the idea of context specific performance problems is is really important to consider as well. So, so really great stuff. Did you did you both enjoy it? I mean, Ethan is getting a bit popular on these podcasts now. Second one in three weeks. Liv, how was it
2: for you? First time on a podcast. Yeah, it was great. Like I said earlier, I just love to talk. So, um, this has been great for me. Uh, I'll come back anytime.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's been great for me. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm expecting my uh, soccer M
0: ball next time for my third appearance. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get, you'll get, you'll just get a sports coaching ball as well. Uh, well, sports are, oh, we're not all about football on this podcast. But uh, no, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, uh, guys, it, it just leaves me uh, to say thank you very much for your time. Again, on short notice, uh, fantastic to get you both I'm fantastic to get uh, like-minded students on, and I think I can tell you what, the girls at Oakley Town, the players are going to love working with us for you, aren't they? So uh, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and uh, to all the listeners, if you are interested to uh, create your own mental model, your own target performance slash game model and learn how to contextualize this, do check out my uh, new coaching shop. You can check that out, samhomeshore.com forward slash shop forward slash. We've got several PDF packages that run you through how to create a mental model, how to create a game model, how to contextualize a game model and how to create an annual curriculum from that. So do check that out if you are interested. But Liv, Ethan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks to everyone who checked out the podcast today. If you like the podcast, please do leave us a review on any of your uh, any of our platforms. Uh, do check out our new YouTube channel, where uh, these two uh, fantastic people will be uh, showing their faces. If, if you'd rather see the faces rather than just the audio, then do check that out. Uh, but yeah, live Ethan. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks once again for all the listeners, and we will see you all next week.